This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Rich Greiner, Emergency Physician and Associate Chair of Emergency Medicine at Yale New Haven Health's Bridgeport Hospital. Dr. Greiner, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thanks for having me, Laura. Now, I know we have a great discussion plan. There's so much happening in healthcare right now, and particularly from your vantage point in, in managing ERs, there's a lot of stress for emergency rooms across the country. And so I'm excited to hear from your perspective what you're seeing on the front lines and how you're managing some of these challenges. But before we dive into that question, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, like you said, my name is Rich Greiner. I'm an emergency physician and associate chairman of emergency medicine at Yale New Haven Health System at Bridgeport Hospital in Connecticut. I've been in medicine for a little over 20 years after seven years in the Navy. And uh, my first short career in the Navy started at the Naval Academy. And then I got to do two years as an officer on a ship and then five years as a Navy SEAL officer, uh, finishing as a platoon commander in the SEALs. So in the last two decades, I've been looking at applying some of what I learned in the SEALs um, in healthcare and then the challenges in healthcare and specifically flexibility, teamwork, and, and leadership are kind of my mantras that I use to attack most problems. And there's plenty of opportunities in medicine. And you know, just let me just mention real quick what brought me here today. My, uh, my SEAL experience taught me the value of building strong teams and, and teams with trust um, among my peers. And that's taught me to the kind of the leadership style that I learned today and, and up until today. But I hadn't seen that sort of group dynamic and that much trust until the last few years when I got involved in this ENC Leadership Forum, which is a, a small group of physician leaders at Yale in different areas where we're able to like share our experiences in, in a group that's uh, based on trust and we help each other with personal and professional and department and hospital issues. And it's really reinvigorated my my drive to to tackle more challenges in medicine. Well, that's fascinating to hear. And what a great experiences that you had both in the military and now, you know, working on the front lines um, within Bridgeport Hospital. What are some of the biggest challenges that you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare today? There's plenty of challenges in healthcare, and it's hard not to know about some of them. Yeah, all of us get to be patients at some point. And I'd say the first one that you notice is that it's hard to get to see a doctor these days. It's hard to see a primary doctor or a specialty doctor. Uh, and that spills over pretty quickly into the emergency room. So when our patients don't have doctors that they can see, don't have anywhere else to go, uh, they don't have really informed decisions that they can make before they see us. So we, you know, there's an access problem. And so we just get naturally more patients uh, who maybe couldn't go elsewhere or more patients who haven't gone elsewhere. So we have a lot more patients than we would have otherwise if they had other places to go. Uh, and so it's a capacity problem is, you know, access and capacity. So we see a lot of patients in the ER in a space that's maybe a lot of times not made for that many patients. And in a hospital sometimes reaches and we overwhelm that capacity pretty quickly too, for a lot of the same reasons. That's another challenge that we see pretty quickly uh, in the front lines is expectations. You know, patients might have been more informed by their primary doctors in the past, but like I said, it's hard to see them these days. And these days, it's easy to be informed on the internet. So people come in with 
expectations from the internet and from family members. And, and those are tough to meet. And it takes a, a little while to, to meet those, especially if we're just meeting people for the first time uh, in the ER and building quick rapport. So that's that's a challenge, but it's a challenge we meet every day. And, and it's you know one that I kind of like most of the time. I'd say a third challenge that's pretty obvious on the front lines is just everything about the challenges of society spill over into the ER. So I, I like to say that the ER is a microcosm of society. And so those those challenges that we have in society, you know, show themselves pretty large in the ER. And, and lately we're seeing a lot of that with homelessness and substance abuse and alcohol abuse and and just a lack of social and family support. And all that kind of makes it hard to to treat a lot of our neediest patients, our ones who may not have as many medical needs, but have so many other needs that are hard to meet, makes it hard to like stabilize and improve a lot of their health care. I'd say the final challenge that that we see on the front lines is like a lot of people are seeing because of the pandemic is the disruptions in the workforce and the disruptions in the business of medicine. So, um, you know, I think it's been hard to operate the business of medicine in hospitals for a long time. But if you throw the pandemic in there, you know, smaller hospital systems really had a hard time. So some of those hospitals have been consolidated and their workforces get disrupted. Uh, and that causes some patients to have to drive further for care, and that causes us to have more patients, uh, but also helps uh, patients and doctors and nurses have other places to go. So I think there's been a, uh, like every other business, people are looking around and saying, is this really why I want to work? Is this really what I want to do? And so I'd say within you know the last couple of years and in the next couple of years, people have either changed jobs or maybe up to 50% of them are looking to change jobs. So we keep getting new doctors and new nurses and we but it's hard to keep up with as fast as people can change so that just that sort of disruption and consolidation is is definitely a challenge and we we welcome some of that uh it's nice to see new patients from other places but it's just a it's a challenge to deal with so but i i like the front lines of healthcare i wouldn't want to work anywhere else it wouldn't really work for me and it kind of reminds me more of the military and small units in the military and the seals than anywhere else so we we get to tackle these problems with our our flexibility and, and teamwork and leadership. And it's really the best place to innovate. You know, we kind of have to. So to have to deal with all these patients, we have to develop new flexible systems and we have flexible teams to do it. And because of that, you know, it's our leaders kind of participate in those changes. And I think, uh, you know, it's uh, we get to see that every day and and hopefully it makes a difference. Well, that's amazing to hear. And certainly, as you mentioned, just so much happening, so many dynamics coming into the ER. And then, as you said, too, staffing uh, changes in, in turnover and shortages in some places, you know, could really make that a challenge. From your perspective, is there anything that you've done, especially in recent years, to um, change your processes or, or how you're kind of bringing in new people to try to uh, meet the needs of the patients as those needs are changing as well? Oh, for sure. I mean, we have to change processes all the time. I mean, the biggest one that we see uh, in Bridgeport Hospital in, in particular is that we see probably three times as many patients as our space is made for. So Mondays are our busiest day. And I think the last two Mondays have been a good example that we've probably had at times as many as 150 patients in an emergency department that has 45 beds. So uh, right away, you're going to you know that we're going to treat people you know, not just in beds, but in hallways. We treat as, at least as many in hallways as we do in beds. And we do what we call waiting room medicine too. And and we, you know, we make sure we get to those patients as quickly as we can. So to do that, 
our processes start at the front door and we have a, a doctor essentially at the front door in triage and our nurses start the care right away. So we do our best to kind of reach out to where the patients are. And this has you know, been something we've done the last few years, but it's really been advantageous uh, during the pandemic when you know hospital capacity has been overwhelmed. Uh, so we basically, I would say our waiting room medicine, our hallway medicine, there's, you know, we, we have names for all that, but basically it's getting to the patient quickly and moving them around in a process in a small space. Uh, and they still, they seem to do well with it and they tolerate it pretty well because we have developed communication, which lets them know that, Hey, here's what's happening. We're actually caring for your, your care is being started. It's being continued here. It's moving here. And, um, and, and patients really, really do well with it. You would think that um, they wouldn't, and they wouldn't, you know, wait that long, but while they're waiting, things, things are getting done. And so by the time they get seen, a lot of times, uh, you know, their, their tests are done and they're, they may be ready to have a decision made whether they can go home or whether they have to stay. So I'd say that's the first most obvious process we've used to, to deal with the challenges of, of today. That's great to hear. Thank you for going through that with us. Now, I'm wondering, from your perspective, what is it important for hospital leaders to know about managing the overstressed or understaffed workforces, especially on the front lines, and, and what's unique in particular about ERs? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to realize that you, know, you have to take care of the, the people who take care of the patients. And, you know, we're not any strangers to stress and, and like I said, staffing challenges because of the pandemic. Uh, so it's important to have like connections to that front line. So it's good that a lot of our leadership works on the front lines too. And that, you know, we get to like work side by side uh, with, you know, the nurses and the other caregivers. So that that communication connection is really important for leadership to know. But I'd say it's important for, for leaders to know that, you know, if we don't take care of our stressed and understaffed workforce, you know, it really affects our quality and reliability of care. Uh, and, and so I think... Um, you know, Yale does a good job of this, but but one way that you, that you have to do it is you have to take care of like the leaders who are in the field and on the front lines to to get their communication, but also to support them as best as possible. So, um, yeah, like I said, one thing that I've been involved in most recently is this uh, Yale ENC Leadership Forum, where I get to exchange ideas with other leaders that you know in different hospitals at different levels and different jobs, different specialties. And we bring in personal and professional and unit problems. And I bring in problems like that one I just said, like, how do I deal with 150 people in the department? Um, and we talk about those sort of things and we, you know, come up with solutions. And, you know, it's not like we can solve all of these problems, but we'll chip away and help each other. Uh, and so just groups like that can help with the stress and and it helps you to have somebody to talk to in a in a trusted way where we don't share that information. So I, you know, we could talk about people's personal issues and that way you can go to work and, and know that you have, you know, people to talk to and, you know, you feel more supported. So I think that that's a important way to, to deal with the, the stress and, and the understaffing. Um, I'd say one way that I learned something in, in that forum that, that helped me was that in that sort of situation where we have such a, a full ER, I would really love to admit patients upstairs into hallways. Cause like I said, we, we treat probably 50 hallway patients at, at a given time sometimes. And to me, it would make the most sense to put patients in a hallway bed upstairs on a, on a ward occasionally. Uh, it would really decompress the emergency room, make more beds available. And so I talked to one of my colleagues in this forum and she said that they would like to do that. And they've talked about doing it. They've tried doing it. And one barrier that they came up against was that the hospital has 
people who inspected and it was i think a mock inspection when they were really resistant to the idea of treating inpatients in hallway beds not that it can't be done but it's just one of those newer things that hasn't been proven and doesn't have like quality metrics for it so it's just you know one more barrier to to hear about but it's it's good for us to talk about it and for her to hear that and for me to hear that you know they're they're thinking about it and they're and they're trying it and so so I've I've benefited from that for in a big way and 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 ERs are unique in in so many ways I think the biggest one is just the fact that we have to keep seeing what comes in the door and that's how we get in that situation where there might be that many people uh, in the emergency room with with so few beds and I think that you know kind of creates an opportunity though too we have to innovate and so it kind of um, brings in people who like to do that who like that maybe chaos and like that challenge and are more adaptable. So, you know, it, it kind of helps to develop those flexible people and flexible processes. And, and again, I think, you know, I like the idea of flexibility and, and teamwork, you know, solving problems. Um, and that's and that's what we do. And so, you know, it's a it's a great place if, if that's what you'd like to do. And, you know, our teams work really close together, which is probably different than a lot of parts. I mean, in surgery, you might work side by side with people, but we're constantly adapting to change. We, um, I think in the last Monday I worked, we, you know, had that really crowded ER and then right in the middle of it, um, somebody dropped off a, a patient who, you know, wasn't breathing and had no pulse at the front door. So we called everybody to the front door and, you know, so you see a team of like 15 people go and scoop this woman up and start CPR and start bagging her. And, and it was a great, that was a great team effort too. And I just, you know, un unfortunately, you know, she came in with an unsurvivable condition, but just to see that that team effort and the and the flexibility and people just you know turn on a dime from what their assignment was, um, it also might help to remind everybody else you know why we're really there, um, and why sometimes you have to wait a little bit. But that's it's unfortunate. But I, you know, that's that's why I wouldn't want to work anywhere else. So that's you know, ERs are definitely unique, and you know we we do our best, and um, you know we're flexible. We work closely together. And I think because of that, you know, our people kind of respect us and we're able to give good leadership from the field. Wow, that, that's incredible. And certainly, as you mentioned, you know, what you're doing on a daily basis is really um, challenging and a lot of challenges come in. But, you know, being able to have that strong team around you and people who have the similar values and being able to care for patients and understand, you know, what each patient that comes to the ER needs and, and how to prioritize, it seems like, you know, would certainly be very gratifying and so important. Thank you for going through that with us. Now, before we wrap up, I was wondering if you could talk about your best advice for emerging physician leaders today, especially those who are just coming out of training and, and seeing really a lot um, happening and a lot of change within the healthcare space. How can they really make a difference and prepare to lead in the future? That's a tough one, but that's what something I like to be involved in. I like to think about is like the newer physicians and the newer physicians who want to get involved in leadership. And that's something I want to get involved more in. Um, and yeah, it's not hard to make a difference. I can talk about that too. Um, but I would say the best advice for getting involved in, in leading is just the first thing is like being a good doctor is to listen, you know, listen and then learn and read everything you can. Uh, but pretty quickly, you have to just start trying it and start trying to get involved and trying to lead. And in medicine, we also emphasize teaching really quickly. And I think one mantra we all remember is uh, see one, do one, teach one. So pretty quickly, once you kind of know what you're doing, you're going to start teaching it. So I would say once you start leading a little bit, it, it's good to try to help others 
to lead. So I would say, you know, get a mentor for yourself to learn to be a better leader. But pretty quickly, as soon as you do that, you know, try to mentor somebody else. And and that's what I've, I've benefited from both of those situations. And I would say just, you know, when you see an opportunity, take the opportunity and practice leadership when, whenever you can. I'd say one one story that reminded me that I had to like kind of be more involved in leadership when it was my job was also from the SEALs. So I was in um in SEAL Team Three, and we were doing what's called an operational readiness exam. And it's kind of the last exercise you do before you go on deployment. And this was meant to be like a, about a three day mission. And so it was uh, me and like my thirteen other guys in my platoon. And I was the platoon commander, so I was ultimately in charge of the platoon. And the mission was uh, to start the first phase was basically get inserted by parachute and then you patrol around and you do some reconnaissance and learn some things and kind of learn some things that should help you for the rest of the mission. And finally, at the end of the mission, you're going to have to take out a target. And so in the first phase, the first day we were supposed to be doing reconnaissance and picking up details and just really wasn't going that well. And I kind of saw it, but I, I wasn't taking charge right away. But my my chief, who's a senior enlisted guy in the platoon, also saw it. And he pulled the platoon aside and we huddled up and he came up with a better plan. And he's like, we really need to do this better. And right around that same time, they also kind of put a hold on the exercise real quick. And my commander, who was Commander McCraven at the time, was in charge of our SEAL team. And he later became Admiral McCraven of uh, Make Your Bed fame. And yeah, he's made some great books and great speeches. I, I love listening to him. And you know, he taught me at that time, it's like, it was my job at that time to be in charge of the platoon. And I should have been the first one to kind of pull them aside and teach them something. And, and I was noticing that my chief was doing it and he was doing the right thing, but also it was an exercise to test me and to test my leadership. So, so that was an important lesson to me that I should have, you know, been more involved when first of all, it was my job at the time, but also any time you have an opportunity to lead, you know, it's a good idea to lead. And even not just that time, in fact, um, Commander McCraven taught me another lesson later, and he kind of emphasized this a few other times, but but he made a point to say that your your men in this situation, and, and our unit is all men, but he said your men really want you to lead, and they need you to lead, and they're going to like praise you for leading. They want to you know say good things about you. So they, they want to be able to say, hey, my platoon commander is the best runner. He's the best swimmer. He's the best shot. He's the best planner, the best listener. He really cares about his unit. And even if you're not the best, you know, they just want to be able to say that they want to be able to brag to the other guys, you know, because they want to be part of a great unit. And I, and I think it just emphasizes that, you know, you're, it's like our, our teams in the hospital too. I mean, they want to be a part of something great and they can tell if they're, and they'll, they'll also kind of give us some leeway too. I mean, they understand that if we're not doing everything, everything perfectly, they're going to recognize that, well, Hey, at least this guy's listening. At least he's caring. Hey, I like to be a part of this team. Um, and this is a good place to work. And so I think, you know, Commander McRaven just really reminded me of that, um, that it's important to kind of practice it because it's it's only going to benefit us and you're just going to get better by doing it. And the people who you work for and work with, they're, they're going to be your cheerleaders and they're going to help you out and they're going to forgive you if you don't do an awesome job. So I, I kind of really appreciated that that opportunity that I got. And then how do, how do you make a difference in lead going forward i would say again i i would um you know start by listening and um but also you know getting involved and leading in every opportunity you have as a doctor um i think doctors are really well positioned for leadership and i that's something i'm passionate about and want to get more involved in i think that we're lucky to sit in a place where you know we we have a really important position of trust you know we get to the first place we can lead is at the bedside 
So a patient, you know, comes in with a problem and the patient and the family are there and the nurse and the other caregivers might be there. And that's, that's the time for the doctor to show some leadership at the bedside. And, you know, that, that leader doesn't have to be the most vocal or the loudest, you know, sometimes you can be the best leader by just being the best listener. And I think that's our first job. Um, but then just leading the group and leading the team and letting them know that, hey, here's the patient-centered way. Here's here's what the plan is and, and communicating that. So I think that it's 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 easy to do, I think. It doesn't, it's kind of the natural thing to do, I think, you know, for me. Uh, and maybe most of us do it, but really recognizing what you're doing when you're doing it might help us to do it better. Um, so that's at the bedside. But I'd also say at the on the unit level too, each each time we're working on a medical unit. You know, we're we're looking at our patients and keeping their best interests in mind, and we can see ways that, you know, they can be better taken care of, or the or maybe the best way to take care of them, and probably that applies to other patients too. So I think it's important that we get involved in patient care at the unit level because we want, you know, the best care for the patient and and the other patients on that unit. And I think you know, doctors being involved in those decisions is really going to be important. And plus, you're going to learn leadership as you do it. And I think finally. Um, we should be more involved in like the hospital level leadership. And, you know, I'm not, not going to say that every CEO should be a physician because it's too much to know that there's some who do an incredible job at that level. Uh, but I think that it's really important that doctors are, are involved in those, that level of decision process, because, you know, each of us can go into a patient room and we can look and see, you know, how could we better treat this patient or, or could we treat this patient in a different space or could we treat him at home or could we, treat them in fewer days or are they going to need more days or more resources? And I think, you know, that's something that an administration would have no idea about. And if we can partner appropriately and, and create systems that do a good job of, you know, treating the patient in the best place and the best amount of time with the best resources, you know, that's going to be the best way for the hospital to do business. But at the same time, it's really going to help the physicians develop our leadership and, and it'll ultimately benefit the patients. So I, I think it, it only helps everybody and it helps us. Um, as physicians to to be better leaders, and I think the more you the more you give, the more you get. Anyway, just like from the physician from the interaction with the patient, you get a lot back. You know, if we're able to also participate on a higher level, I think we we get a lot back in that situation too. So I enjoy it, Dr. Griner. That's fantastic. I, I really appreciate you going through all that with us, and certainly you know some really strong examples of how we are can show up and lessons that you've learned throughout your career. Um, thank you again for being here on the podcast today. This has been such a fun conversation. And I know that, you know, many of our listeners can really understand and re resonate well with what you're talking about. So I appreciate you being here and looking forward to connecting with you again soon. Thanks a lot, Laura. It's my pleasure. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, to help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.